Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Today's message is Habit of Worship. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. We're going to continue talking today uh, about looking at some different habits, habits that can help us in the way that we try to share our faith and in in how we go about living out our faith, um, moving more from just believing in God, but hey, how do we actually live our faith each and every day? And so we're just throwing out some simple habits, just some ideas. Um, you know, I never want this to feel like, oh man, I'm, I've got to do this habit, I've got to do this and this and this, because that doesn't work. If that's why you're trying to do it, you'll It'll never, it'll never work because you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm done. I'm tired of list, right? But if it starts to just become part of who you are, that's what a habit is. It's something that you don't have to think about doing anymore. You know, you just, you just do it. And so that's kind of what we're, we're, we're going and we're following kind of that idea of, in Acts chapter two, uh, verse forty-two, uh, where it said the uh, the people of God they gathered and they uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. Uh, to breaking of bread and to prayer, right? and and uh, so we, we're start we're hitting those in in some different different ways. Uh, the, we talked about uh, the first habit is learning about Jesus each week that we spend some time getting to know about Jesus more than just on Sunday morning. You know that that we realize, hey, he's actually there on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, right? So, so what are we doing to kind of remind ourselves of that? Uh, so we, we have the Journey podcast that's going on that you can listen to um, if you in, enjoy that. It, there are so many different things that you can do. There's a, a one devotion. I, I always hesitate, he, I'm hesitant to recommend devotionals because everybody likes different things, and that's fine. But there's one that's called Jesus Calling. It's really short. You can read it in the morning. I mean, there's so many things out there. Whatever it is for you, but are we reminding ourselves, are we learning more about Jesus each week uh, so that we can, if, if that's what we're striving to live our life as, we need to, to actually think about him more than just once a week. Uh, so that's, that's the first habit. The second habit that we talked about last week was the habit of eating and eating with other people, right? To give opportunity to share our faith, to live, we're, we're trying to live questionable lives, live different lives. Um, and so the only way that we can share our faith is to actually engage with people around us. And so we encourage you each month to go and eat with someone from, from that's connected with Journey and then eat with a family that's not connected with Journey. Um, you know, just little things like that. You know, and, uh, and again, just that we do those with the being intentional about it, saying, you know what, I'm going to pray about this before I go. And I'm going to say, you know, God, if there's an opening to talk about faith, Make that obvious for me. Don't, you don't have to force it. You don't have to you know, pull out any kind of little notebook and say, okay, we're going to talk about this, 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 and this. No, but if it, if it happens, and you know, if you think about life, and if you start talking about what's going on in the world, you're going to have an opportunity to share your faith. You're going to have an opportunity to share your perspective on what's going on in the world. And hopefully, you share a biblical perspective, right? A, a Christ-based perspective. Uh, so those, were, those are two habits. We're going to continue. We're going to kind of uh, get into uh, one of the third habits. The, this habit, we're, it's just going to be the habit of worship. 
But this is part of that, uh, how the followers of Jesus dedicated themselves to fellowship. That, that Greek word there is koinonia. And so it's not, they didn't just get, gather to have fun and to talk. Um, they didn't just gather uh, to worship and share the Lord's Supper. But it was kind of all of that together, right? It was, they were gathering with a purpose, with a purpose of drawing closer to one another and drawing closer to God. But there was, there was this element of doing it together. And so we're going to talk about the importance of worship. But not just worship, worshiping as a community, worshiping together. You know, the, the church word would be communal worship, um, corporate worship. You may have heard these terms. There's reasons for them, right? There's something powerful about worshiping together. You know, and, and one thing that we're seeing, and this is across the board in the United States, is church attendance is, is down, right? Now, in a lot of ways, there's still the same number of people going to church, but they don't go on a regular basis, right? That, you know, I can remember even growing up, you, you remember maybe that phrase, oh, they're there every time the church doors are open, right? And you all have families in your mind. Maybe you were from a family like that. I was pretty much from a family like that. Um, maybe you were, that every time the church doors were open, whether it was Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, your family was there. Well, whenever I can re- remember that in the 80s and, and stuff like that, of course, I can't really remember the 70s. I was born then, but, uh, but I can't really remember then. There were more families who did that, and especially where I lived in, out in West Texas, right? That was just the normal People, you saw the same people at church every week nearly. Well, that has changed over time. Understandably, in many ways, there's now more for people to do. Used to, the church was the social center of a community. There wasn't anything else to do, right? You, you, couldn't, you didn't go play golf. You didn't go bowling. You didn't go to a movie. You, so our culture has changed drastically. And, uh, and so now... You know, most people, if people come more than two times a month, that's pretty regular attenders, right? And, and, I, and I'm not saying this because this is bad. This is just the culture we're in, okay? The danger with that is that if we're not careful, we can lose that, that power and realize the importance of worshiping as a community. Now, I do believe that you can experience God and you can worship him on, on your own, all right? I'm not saying you can't do that. You know, there's, there's deer hunters all over the place that they, they worship in a deer stand every Sunday morning from November to January, <laughs> right? Now, maybe, maybe they're worshiping, depending on how many bucks they see, right? But, uh, but no, I actually do believe that you can, you can have a, a worshipful experience that way. And so I'm not discounting this, but I will say if the only way that you worship is with an individual experience with God, you, you are missing out. God wanted something a little bit more. There's something kind of powerful that happens within a, a body because you're all here for the same purpose. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I grew up, I love baseball. I don't know, we have any baseball fans? They're fewer and far between. Yeah, okay. I, I know, now it's like... I guess I am, you know, it's like you're not supposed to be, right? <laughs> like, you know, but, uh, and that 
that's a cultural thing right there. We've been talking about how culture changes in the church. Used to, baseball was America's pastime. Now it's just past, you know. But, uh, but I loved baseball. I loved playing baseball. Um, I in, enjoyed it. I love the Texas Rangers, and it's painful, and, and it, you know, but, but I enjoy that. It is extremely hard for me to sit down and watch a Texas Ranger baseball game on TV. In fact, the last time I watched a full baseball game on television was uh, the, the last game of the World Series that they lost. It's really not funny. And we do have a closet just right there. Yeah. Oh, Nelson Cruz, catch that ball. Okay. So that's the last time I've actually watched on television a full game. I'll check in in the seventh and eighth inning and, and stuff like that. I, I can't watch it. it. It's just really hard. And I like baseball. I enjoy it. I know what's going on. But you know, one thing that I can do is I can go to a game right now, just a meaningless game. If I went to watch the Rangers play, meaningless game in April, I would be engaged the whole game if I'm there. Because there's something different about it. Nothing's changing there on the the field. The outcome's not going to be any different. It's the exact same. In fact, it's better to watch it on TV. You can see it better. Like, you know, being even there, it's even harder to see kind of what's going on. But there's something really interesting, and I love that. Now, one, this really jumped out to me whenever I was, uh, I was probably going into my senior year of high school, and we were in Arlington, and so we went to the Ranger game, me and my dad and my brother and my uncle. And Kenny Rogers was pitching, not singing. He was pitching. And, uh, and if you remember Kenny Rogers, he was a left-hander, uh, decent pitcher, not great, but, but kind of a popular Rangers uh, pitcher. Well, he starts pitching, and, and this is how much I enjoyed baseball. I, I was actually kind of keeping the basic box score and paying attention. And, uh, and after the fifth inning, I told my dad, I was like, Dad, no, no one's got on base. And um, I was like, what, what, no one's got a hit? And I said, yeah, no one's got a hit, but no one's got on base, which is very rare, right? There's been no errors, no walks, no nothing. And uh, after the sixth inning, the stands, people start to realize it. And they start to realize, wait, this is a perfect game going on. And uh, if you're not a baseball fan, perfect games are very rare. There's only been like 20 of them since eight, the 1800s, right? They just don't happen. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a very rare thing. And so it's, it was, you know, the Rangers were okay. This was the mid-90s, but they weren't great. Um, but, uh, but the stands were pretty full. It was a Saturday night in uh, summer. And I can remember all of a sudden it starts kind of getting a little bit electric. And, and usually when the Rangers are out pitching, people, that's when they go and, you know, go get a drink because they'd rather see them bat. You know, they were all doing steroids at that time probably and hit the ball a long way. But... But it was all of a sudden, everyone was focused on the pitching. And I can remember, you could feel the electricity in the the stands. And in the ninth inning, uh, the second batter uh, hit a ball that it it looked like a hit. You can just tell when a ball is hit that usually it's going to be, whether it's going to be a hit or an out. And everybody just went deathly quiet. It's like, oh, this whole time 
and now he's going to blow it, right? And the center fielder just makes an unbelievable diving catch, and that place just erupts, right? And, and then, of course, he ended up, he got, it, got the perfect game. And it was so funny because I can remember, like, you're turning around, and I'm, like, high-fiving these random people that I don't know who they are, and, like, people are hugging in the stands, and you have, and, and there's no reason, but you just, something about you experienced an amazing moment together, and you were there, and it was like everybody was kind of realized, wow, this was something powerful that we experienced, right? And that was a, just a little baseball game, right? In the grand scheme of things, that's meaningless. But there is something powerful watching that together. Because I promise you, I've actually watched perfect games from my couch. And I didn't get all that excited. I mean, it's like, oh, that's cool. But when you're there, there's something different. And I think there's an element of that in worship. Now, I've been very careful, and I will always be careful. I do not like manipulating worship and making worship an emotional just roller coaster. I think we can do that too much. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about manipulating to make worship an, an emotional experience. I'm talking about there's something powerful when, as a body of Christ, you start to experience Christ together, right? And now, is every event going to be like that perfect game? No. If, if that's your expectation every time you come on Sunday morning, sorry, get a refund, <laughs> all right? It's not going to happen, and that's okay, all right? But I do think we should have an expectation that every time we come together to worship together, that we do experience God. Sometimes it'll be overwhelming. Sometimes it may be that we laugh a lot. Sometimes that we just go away saying, you know, I'm thinking about life differently. But I, I believe that we should have the expectation when we come into worship that we are going to experience Christ together. And there's something powerful about doing that together. So I want to just talk a little bit about what is worship. What's the basic thing that we're trying to do in worship? One of my favorite passages on worship is Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And uh, this is at the beginning of Isaiah's ministry. Isaiah is going to be a prophet. He's going to be uh, having to go and and share uh, the, the word of the Lord with the people uh, this is on page 477, I believe, in your chair Bibles, or uh, we've got it on the screen as well. So Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. 
All right. Now, this is obviously uh, an individual experience that Isaiah has with God. And it's, it's a, a vision. Well, I mean, we don't know exactly what's going on, but he, he, he experiences this, right? This is God, God's calling of Isaiah. And, uh, and I think the, the basic ideas of worship that we see here are, are applied to, to worship all the time. And, uh, and I think they're even enhanced whenever we experience these things together. So the first thing that Isaiah experiences is this experience, this worship experience, if, if you will, causes him to look upward. It causes him to look at God, at the greatness of God, of who God is. You know, listen to just how, it, how this is described. It says uh, there uh, that, that he was seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Right? What's that alluding to? That God is everywhere, right? He's, he's filled the temple. He's present. Uh, he's all surrounding Isaiah. Isaiah can't get away from his presence. There's something about worship that we need to be willing to look up and to see God, right? And that's the thing with worship is some of this you, you're responsible for, Right? Um, worship is an attitude and something that, that you need, you have a, a part to play in it. Um, and, and sometimes I, I think churches have taken too much of a burden on themselves to try to create the perfect worship experience to draw people in. You do need to take that into account. You need to be thinking about it. But ultimately, if someone wants to worship, they can worship. If they don't want to worship, they're not going to worship. Right? And so I think we need to come into worship looking for God, you know, looking to see him that, hey, I want to experience him today. You know, and I think that that can happen. You know, it doesn't matter what the style of music is, what the style of of the preaching is. I think you should be able to get glimpses of God in any worship service, right? Now, of course, you're going to choose to go to the place that you're most comfortable with, and that's fine. But I think all of us should be able to go to the Catholic church later today and experience an element of worship. We may say, you know, that's, that's not really how I would like to do this every week or whatever. But man, if we go in expecting to see God, I think we'll see him. You know, and so that's part of the first aspect of worship is understanding that God is there, that God is present. Realize the power of God. You know, we were actually looking, I was looking at Paula's phone uh, when they went to Germany just a, a few months ago. And they had the opportunity to go to a couple of uh, cathedrals, you know, churches. Now that sadly many of them are, are empty and not used as much as they should be. But the architecture of them is incredible, right? I mean, these are thousand-year-old churches. And the way that they built those churches was designed to make you look up. Like you walk into them, and the first thing is you just kind of look up, right? And there's a, there's a powerful me- reason for that. Is because when we enter into a time of worship, we should be looking for God and ex- acknowledging the power and the presence of God. We see that. Isaiah says, the, the Lord's, the train of his robe filled the temple. And then there were these funny little creatures that we're not going to get into, but how cool would it be to see these little six winged creatures? I don't know. I, I, I picture them with little wings and they're, just, you know, I don't know. But, uh, but they're, they're going around. But what, what are they doing? The only thing they're doing is they're just singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. Right? That's all they're doing. 
I mean, just the greatness of God is remembered, and Isaiah has no doubt that he's in the presence of God. So that's one of the first aspects of worship. But then we have, it moves on, and something starts to happen. Things start to shake, right? The smoke starts to fill, and what does it say? Isaiah is terrified, right? Because he's realizing, wait, here I am in the midst and in the presence of God who is so much greater than I and so much more powerful than I, who created me, and so I know if he created me, he can take me out, and something, the, the walls are now shaking, and you just, Isaiah cries out, woe to me, I am not worthy to be here, right? Woe is not a word that we use a whole lot anymore, unless you're on a horse and you don't know how to stop. But woe to me, woe to me, how, what is happening? I don't, it's just like, Man, I'm in trouble. I have no control here. And Isaiah's like, I don't deserve to be here. Because, you know, whenever we're honest about the greatness of God, we realize, man, we don't really deserve to be next to that. You know, I, and I, I think we can experience that even in, I mean, I, I think we're experiencing that with uh, Reverend Billy Graham passing away. There's a lot of people that just are kind of in awe. Right, And I don't know if all that's healthy. He was just a man, but he was powerful because he spoke the word of the Lord. But right, So we've probably all experienced that when we're in the presence of somebody and we're kind of like, you know, I really don't, don't fit here. I don't deserve to be here. You know, just imagine if they knew who I really was. And see, and that's what happens whenever we're in the presence of God. We start to say that. We start to say, man, if God really knew who I was, and then all of a sudden it clicks and goes, oh, wait, we're talking about God. He does. Woe to me. <laughs> right? That's what's that's what happening with Isaiah. And Isaiah, by all accounts, is a pretty good guy. Right? I mean, he, he's not just a, a horrible person that's being called into repentance. Right? But even he knows, man, I'm not worthy to be here. So he says, woe to me. But then one of these, and this is where the image breaks down because I would be laughing at this little funny little thing flying. It comes and it grabs this coal, right? And, uh, and it brings the coal and it puts it on Isaiah's lips. Of course, this isn't literal. It's not happening. But, but what it's meaning is very powerful. What it's saying, that's the, the coal is purification. It's making things right. It's burning all the bad stuff away. That's what it was doing. And so this is, in a sense, it's God saying, yeah, I know you're not worthy to be here. I'm going to get rid of all that stuff that makes you feel unworthy. Let me do it. And Isaiah allows God to do that. That's, the, that's this aspect of looking inward, of seeing who we are, and allowing God to come and heal us, to make us right again. That is a, such an important aspect of worship. That we look up, that we see God, and when we see God and we realize his greatness, all of a sudden we start looking inward. And we realize, man, we've got a long way to go. But God's response to that is, no, I'm, I'm going to make you right again. I'm going to make you whole again if you allow me to. And then the next aspect, if you will, of worship moves to looking outward. So we look up, we see God, 
We look in, we see, oh, I'm not really equipped to do this. And God says, no, you are equipped because I'm making you equipped. And then we start to look outward. That last couple verses where you just hear, it's, it's really interesting because God is having this kind of uh, divine discussion, you know, and, and he's not really even talking to Isaiah. He's just saying, who are we going to send? Who's going to go out? Who's going to take this message of my greatness and of my forgiveness? Who's going to take that message into the world? It's just kind of the discussion. And isn't it interesting that Isaiah, because he had been looking up, because he'd been looking inside, his answer was, you know, I don't know if you're talking to me or not, but I'll go. Send me. Right? I think that's kind of interesting, and that really jumped out to me for some reason this time, is that God wasn't saying, "Now, now, Isaiah... Now are you going to go? That kind of puts you on the spot, you know, where you feel like, yeah, I'm going to have to say yes. Right? This is kind of a generic. God is just saying, okay, who am I going to send? And Isaiah is compelled to say me. I want it to be me. You know, sometimes we talk about being called by God as something where God just forces us to do it and he kind of, you know, hits us over the head with a two by four and, and changes our direction. And sometimes that happens. But you know, whenever we start experiencing worship on a regular basis, one of the things that we should come away from in, after worship is that we're saying, I want to go. I want to take that message. I want to live that message. I want to share that message with the world around me. And that's what Isaiah was doing. He was like, man, I just experienced the presence of God, and it terrified me. And I thought that I was nothing. And then God said, no, you are something, and I'm going to equip you, and I'm going to take away your sin. I'm going to take away that uh, burden. I'm going to take away that doubt so that you can go and serve me. Are you going to do it? And Isaiah says, yes. I think part of worship is that not only do we experience God, and sometimes that can kind of be the tingly feelings, right? That emotional feeling. When we feel the greatness of God, you just, whew, you know, you just kind of get, get those, the, some people say the heebie-jeebies. I think my mom used that term, right? The hair on the back of your ne- neck stands up. You know, those, those emotional feelings. I think that's, that's good. We should experience that. Sometimes it's going to be experienced more than others. But we experience the greatness of God but then we also realize, hey, we, we need God. And I think there's a, that's why we worship every week, because we need to be constantly reminding ourselves of this. But then that should lead to kind of this look outward. Okay, I'm going to take this, and I want to take it outside of these walls. I didn't read in the passage here, but you start if you read the rest of Isaiah, you realize that uh, God basically, he says, uh, oh, thank you for saying yes. Now guess what? You're going to go out and you're going to share this message and no one's going to listen to you. Have fun. <laughs> right? But, but, and I think if, if we're honest with ourselves, and one of the reasons that we can get frustrated if we're not careful is we can come out of a worship experience on fire, right? Ready to tackle the world. And then you're going to go to lunch, and something's going to happen, and you're going to be reminded, man, I don't even know where to begin. Why was that person so rude to me? Why did they cut me off? You know, 
Why did my kids not clean up like I told them to for the last 14 days, right? And all of a sudden, you're going to be right back into being really frustrated. You know, just because we experience God in worship doesn't mean that everything is going to change on the outside. In fact, it's not. The world is still going to be a crazy place. But yet, what worshiping, and I believe worshiping together does, is that it equips us each week to go and to engage the world. That's why it needs to become a habit. Worshiping needs to become a habit for you. And you know, I'm not going to tell you how to do that, but I am going to say, in order to actually live your life for Christ, and in order to experience the blessings that he has for you, you need to be worshiping. And it needs to be more than just you and God, even though that's important. And that's going to be another habit that we're going to get to, by the way. It's both. But if that's, if that's it, you're missing out. We need to know that you're never in this alone. Right? Everybody in here today, we all have something in common. We all have no idea what's going to happen this week. We all have no idea if tomorrow's going to be a good day or a bad day. All of us have things right now going in our life that we are really frustrated with. And we are kind of starting to be uh, drowning in. Sometimes it may be more severe than others, but we all know what that's like. There's something powerful about kind of coming together and worshiping and realizing, you know what, I'm not alone in this. We need to do that on a regular basis. That's why God desires for us to take that Sabbath to worship each and every week. It's not so that you can gauge how good of a Christian you are. It's not so that you can say, my family is there every time the doors of the church are open. It's so that you can live a life for him each and every day. So that you can experience the joy and the hope and the peace that God designed you to live out. Right? That's how it happens. And so I just encourage you to look for opportunities to worship. Look for opportunities to be, able to be reminded of the greatness of God. To be reminded of who you are on the inside. That you know what? We're, we're all, we all fall short of the greatness of God. But that God invites us into his presence anyway. And then he asks us, okay, now are you ready to go and take this message into the world? We need to worship together so that we can do that, so that God can change us and make us into the people that he created us to be. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for the opportunity that we have had to come and to worship you. Lord, I pray that we will make it a habit to worship you each and every day. And that we'll make it a habit to worship you together as the body of Christ. So that we will be reminded that we are not alone. That we will be reminded that we are in your presence. And that you are with us each and every day. Lord, we thank you for inviting us to worship you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org 
or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.